how do you how do you take a mayor and make it an uncommon role? How do you reevaluate, refocus, reinvigorate a community that for 50 years had kind of stood still? And to me, it was again my passion. It was I was understanding what my passion was early on in my career uh, or political career that I, I just wanted to give back. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of the GovGab Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco. Thanks for being a part of this episode. Excited to have you here for our guest today where we talk with Mayor Blake Sanders of West Pelzer, South Carolina. Um, had a really exciting conversation with him. Um, you know, he has a very small population. It's about a thousand um, right there or thereabouts in South Carolina. And it was really intriguing to hear his thoughts where, you know, Although it's a lot smaller than maybe other jurisdictions, their challenges aren't that different. Certainly, there's a different scale potentially, uh, but they still go you know, through a lot of the same challenges that other jurisdictions that are very large um, go through. So it was interesting to hear his perspective on that, hear some of the initiatives of the town and, and where they'd like to go, and, and get his feedback on you know, why he decided to run for mayor and some of the things that was all about. So actually, it's a pretty intriguing story, um, and I think you guys will really enjoy it. Um, I'll make one ask before we jump in the episode. If you guys do enjoy this episode or maybe you enjoyed episode one uh, with Mayor Weinbrick, um, please head over to iTunes to our Operate Intelligently podcast. Uh, please leave a review. Let us know how we're doing. Let, let us know how this GovGab radio podcast um, is doing for you guys. And if you had any feedback, that would be certainly appreciative. So without further ado, let's jump into our chat today with Mayor Blake Sanders. Blake, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to start off the conversation, you know, because you have a couple of these roles here, which are kind of cool, where, you know, you work for the the city of Easley. Um, you're the mayor of West Pelzer. And I want to get into all that and, and kind of how you manage all that. But can you take a step back for the for the audience, just so they kind of understand your background a little bit, maybe the Cliff Notes version of kind of your background schooling, how you, you know, maybe wanted to get into from a city planning standpoint and that type of um, you know, avenue from a career. Maybe start there, and then that'll that'll take us on a variety of tangents. I'm sure. Yeah, sure. So I, I grew up just outside of of West Belzer, a municipality of of 880 people, and uh, everyone knows everyone, and, and kind of uh, every all the children go to high school together, elementary school together, and middle school together. And uh, so growing up in that small town, I always had uh, always asked the questions feeling back the onion of why does it why is this city this small and 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 I, I'm not sure why my my uh schooling I guess kind of kind of led me to landscape architecture um my dad worked in uh a, a factory setting and my mom was a self-starter and small business owner and so um ended up uh, applying to to Clemson as, as an education major and uh started started my first semester there and had to had to teach a 30 minute course in uh, elementary middle and high school levels and i realized that uh i didn't really love children as much as i thought i did that i needed to take a step back and kind of figure out what i wanted my future to to look like i took a year off from from school 
and uh, worked at Southern Westland University in their facilities and maintenance department. And I uh, started working with the campus planner uh, on some new apartment layouts and building layouts. And he said, you know, you'd make a really good landscape architect. And I had no idea what it was. So I jumped in my truck, drove over to Clemson, met with the uh, department chair of landscape architecture and said, hey, I think I'd like to change my major over to this. And uh, he told me, no, that you would not make a good landscape architect. That uh, it was much much deeper a field than I than I thought it would be, and uh, I I kind of uh, balked at it and signed up anyway and uh, fell in love with with it. And what I found out was that landscape architecture was really a mold of the community mindset, the client mindset as as an end product, but also a, a way to express yourself artistically. And I uh, started having fun, and it and it became a passion. Uh, I didn't know it was my passion until I stepped into it. And uh, I, was, I was blessed enough to be able to intern with some larger companies that let me work on some projects across the globe. And uh, now this is my chance in my uh, just in my mid-30s, but I'm already starting to see kind of the the the, the fruits of of the seeds that were planted, you know, 20 years ago at Clemson that I'm getting to give back to my community, to my profession, and uh, that's my passion now is giving back. You know, I mean, what was it from a I guess, why did you decide to go in and work from, from a public sector side of the house, right? Go to work for the city of Easley. Why did, why did you make that choice? Yeah, so um, I worked for uh, a, a couple of different companies uh, along the way, all private firms, um, really working my way up the food chain per se, you know, starting off as, a, as an entry-level landscape architect or a land planner, um, becoming licensed. I worked for a firm where I ran the South Carolina office and we were doing projects regionally and even touching some global projects, um, hired my own staff, running my own budgets, and I, I found myself being more entrenched in other communities than I was my own. And so my wife and I really had a chance to, to sit down and step back and go, um, okay, we're before we get to our midlife crisis, let's make sure that we are, that, that we're believers in our passion and uh, decided to take a step back and say, you know, I really want to work in the in the public sector and, again, give back to the community. Um, the firm I was working for, I was actually working a lot in the city of Easley and had a lot of contracts, um, had day-to-day -day conversations with the mayor and city administrator. And one day after one of our weekly meetings, um, city administrator said, hey, let's go out for, for coffee. And uh, so we sit down and start talking about the city as a whole and other planning projects that, that would be going on. And I guess in my mind, I was thinking, well, this is more consultant contracts that I'll be working on. And uh, at the end of the day, a uh, city that's 150 years old had never had a, a city planner before. And they were creating the position and wanted to know if I would be interested in it, that they were essentially creating it for me, hoping I would be. And so it was definitely a blessing at the same time my wife and I were having conversations about our passion and being able to give back to the community, being able to be at all of our kids' basketball games or cheerleading practices. At the same time, we were being blessed on the other side by the city of Easley creating something for us. And uh, all good things happen for, for a reason. Yeah, and so... I'm curious now because obviously being the you know the mayor of West Pelzer where you grew up, did you always like growing up or uh, were you in like I don't know did you run for like student government and those type of things like did you always want to be in that type of role potentially or is that something that just kind of popped in your head over the last handful of years? Yeah, it, it definitely just popped into to my head and it's actually a funny story how we how we even got back to to West Pelzer again. We grew up just outside of of city limits and I always told my, my parents I'll never 
move back here. I'll never move back here. You're not as progressive as I want you to be. You don't see the whole world. You just see you're, you're looking through blinders. And I realized then that I was definitely eating my words as I was saying it. My dad was probably laughing, knowing that I would be moving back. Um, and so uh, my wife and I were living uh, in downtown Greenville, and uh, we were still attending church back locally. And we, we drove by a home one day, and the guy was pushing the for sale by owner sign in the ground. And uh, so we whipped in and, and looked at it because we were looking at looking at buying homes. And it was a it was a fixer upper. It was 105 years, uh, 100 100 years, almost 100 years old at the time. And uh, my wife said, you know, I really don't think I I don't really not think I'm into that right now. I'd rather us maybe establish a family before we get into redoing homes. And uh, I called the guy anyway and made him an offer and had to explain to my wife later on that we had just purchased a house in the town of West Pelzer and we would be moving from downtown Greenville uh, in 30 days. And uh, so that was a little awkward conversation to have with your wife about moving back to a, to a small town. Um, and then once we moved there, um, you know, as small towns go, you see the folks at the, at the grocery store or a church or um, you see them at the elementary school and, and they start to have conversations about, oh, you would be really good in a public service setting. And so um, I signed up to be on the, on the planning commission. They thought my background fit that role and uh, decided to run for city council. And uh, once I got on city council, I started really understanding how government worked. And for me, in a strong mayor form of government, I understood that, I, that to be transformative and to create a community that I had yearned for as a middle schooler or a high schooler and while I was in college, that I needed to be able to, to make those decisions and create the environment that was really transformative and, and kind of how do you how do you take a mayor and make it an uncommon role? How do you reevaluate, refocus, reinvigorate a community that for 50 years had kind of stood still? And to me it was Again, my passion, it was, I was understanding what my passion was early on in my career uh, or political career that I, I just wanted to give back. I wanted to listen to like, the, the community, which was my client in my professional setting, and, and reinvest in them, and communicate my vision, have the big idea, and really start to think about commitment to the public sector. And that's, that's really what started the whole conversation for, for, for being a mayor was was being able to invest in in the public setting. What what was one of the uh, I guess biggest challenges, or maybe something you found out later on that you you know you didn't really realize was going to be part of the process of, of running for mayor? Yeah, well, I, I didn't realize that. Um, you know, running for mayor is, is very simple in a in a small town. There's not a lot of uh, big banks backing you or, or needing a lot of, uh, of input from, from from big donors per se. Uh, but meeting people and talking to them about what they actually wanted was different than what I perceived that their needs or wants would be. I found out that some of the some of the, the, the standard principles from from strong towns or how to make a successful town um, were things that they were looking for. You know, one of the successful downtown principles that Mayor White in Greenville has always said is that you need to have more street festivals. And I knew that in the back of my head as I'm designing streets around the country. But then when I go and talk to some citizens that had lived in town for, you know, 40, 50, 60 years, and they were telling me, we want to have more festivals in town. We want it to be like it used to be where we had sock hops and we had carnivals. And, and so they were telling me what the strong town principles were. And I didn't realize that would be be the case and so a lot of the learning curve for me was was communicating um, the different ideas and trying to really regurgitate what they were saying in a, into a, a planning principle the other thing I didn't understand was how much time it would take and uh, having two children you know I thought I didn't have much free time uh, but obviously I, I found a way to, to, to carve out more time to, to be a mayor 
and uh, I mean, for time, I mean, it's investing in it, it's embracing it, it's treasuring the time that while you're in office, while you're there. So being able to sit back and kind of see the fruits of, of what you've planted is managing your time, but it's also enjoying your time. And uh, I've, I've definitely found um, what what I'm passionate about. And I've, I, uh, over the, the course of my first term, I'm in the, the fourth year of my first term, I finally hit the point where I'm treasuring and enjoying my time in office. I'm having fun talking to people and letting them see that those things they told me four years ago, or three three years ago, about what their what their vision was and what they wanted to embrace in the community, they're starting to see it come to a reality. And at the end of the day, that's what government is about. And the mayor's role is not to um, is is not to be a dictator, and it's not to make day to day decisions. The mayor's job is to be a visionary and be able to explain that and clearly communicate what that vision is. And so I'm truly enjoying my time as mayor now. You know, that's actually a good thing to uh, come back to. You had mentioned just a, a minute ago about, you know, kind of the time and how, how much it actually was to um, to invest in that versus your kids and family and, and other job. Do you have any, I mean, is there any, I guess, habits or, or routines that you regularly follow throughout the course of a day to, for time management or just to kind of keep you sane maybe some days? I don't know. Um, <laughs> just kind of curious if there's if there's anything that you do that's you know important for you day in and day out um, that, that maybe could help some others. Absolutely. So um, on a daily basis, I am a husband, father, landscape architect, planner, mayor, and professor. Um, so every day I'm I'm teaching graduate architecture at Clemson, or I'm coming to my, my what I call my day job as the, the planning manager for the city of Easley, or or taking phone calls as as the mayor. And what I have found uh, to be the best for time management is uh, understanding when you're when you are your best. And I'm my best at five o'clock in the morning when no one's around, when I can start to um, respond to emails and and, tar- and start to 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 think clearly and be able to communicate clearly and so um, for a daily routine I'm up by five I'm in city hall by six and I'm there until staff start to get there and that got, kind of goes back to my original statement of a mayor's job is to be visionary and not to run day-to-day operations and so I make it a point not to be in inside of city hall when public works decisions are being made or the police chief is making decisions or the administrators making day-to-day decisions I make it a point not to be there um, and so I, I go back to that morning time, uh, it may be the afternoon for, for other mayors, it may be late at night for others, um, to find out when they are their best. I caveat that with my first two years, I made a commitment to the city that I would be flexible with my time. And so I spent two days a week inside of the office, granted with my door shut so that staff didn't ask for, for day-to-day decisions. Um, but I spent uh, two days a week in the office for the first two years communicating with the public running the festivals myself, closing off the streets on my own so that public works guys could go out and do other things when we had a festival getting ready to get going. So I was really uh, hands-on, and it was almost like the, the town had another employee for those two years. And then I was able to step back and go back to my to my morning routine. And did you set any, you know, coming into being mayor, did you set any personal goals, you know, that you want to achieve? And, and maybe it was because, you know, you lived there. Um, in the past, any ideas that you had in your head of things you wanted to accomplish? Yeah, so uh, I uh, would always want to to start, you know, in the middle of the fire. And there's the analogy of the of the the potbelly stove, and it's the hottest at the center, and it starts to radiate out to other areas. And that could be true for a municipality, 
Um, so I started at the at the heart and soul and the core. And when I would drive through town, there was a hundred percent vacancy in our downtown. And uh, I didn't count thrift stores as as being a, a viable retail option. And so when I drove through town, there was nothing there. And so I had a simple goal for my first two years as mayor as to have one business on Main Street that would be a viable business. And so I set, definitely set realistic goals that can be achieved. I wanted to do projects that were self-funded so that I didn't have to think about state funds and, and, and getting into the politics of your your legislative delegation or federal funds for me, for mega projects that may take three to four years um, to to change because West Pelzer needed something then. And so for me, it was about creating one new opportunity for a business owner. And we were able to, to do so. Um, I had a council member that owned a food truck that was thinking about opening up. And so uh, the previous administration had built a park and um, so we made the conscious decision to have a food truck on Main Street, which was actually our first business uh, that we had. And so the, the, uh, from, from that food truck, the city council, we bought a building to make City Hall. And so all of a sudden we had a City Hall on Main Street and then came an antique shop and then came a pizza joint and then came um, the mom and pop meet and three restaurant and then came the hair salon. So we were starting to, we started to build upon that one business really, really fast. And so in the course of, of just three years and a few months, um, we're maxed out. Our downtown, albeit the size of an electronics department in a Walmart, is full. And we're excited with what we have going on. We're starting to look now at do we need to build new commercial and retail space? And what's the possibility of having an art gallery in the city? Questions that would have never been asked four years ago we're able to ask now just because that vision was clearly communicated and the mayor council and staff were committed to implementing that vision. Yeah, that's phenomenal that you guys were able to uh, kind of make those improvements in just a, a short time frame. And, and can you talk about that a little bit in terms of how you work with the council and other staff members and how you guys communicate? Is there anything you guys do that, you know, maybe you've seen other places haven't done as well, or what do you guys think you're doing that's working so great there? Yeah. So um, one of the first things I did as, as, as mayor coming in was that we set a strategic plan for council and staff. And so as, as many small towns do with, with, with reduced staff numbers, everybody kind of has to do everything. And that goes all the way up to the elected official level. Um, so we started with the strategic plan. It kind of mapped out where we wanted to be and how we were going to get there. And so one of the first things we did was apply for a Municipal Association of South Carolina hometown grant, and we applied to do a master plan with our neighbor, the town of Pelzer, um, who was in a very similar situation economically. Um, ec- we were both economically depressed, and uh, so so from that master plan, we pulled four or five or six goals that everyone could be working on simultaneously, whether it be economic development or strategic wayfinding or implementing the vision and other facets. We all were working from the same sheet of music. And small towns all, all too many times are working independently from each other and not working together. And of the 271 municipalities in South Carolina, 200 of them are under 5,000 people. And so there's 200 mayors just like me that are facing those same problems that uh, can understand that you can work with your neighbor that you're not competing against each other, and that everyone could be successful. And for me to sit down and be able to explain that to staff and to council that, you know, no one's going to lose their job. No one's going to lose what their platform was when they ran for office. We're just going to all sing from the same sheet of music 
as we move forward. Sometimes the music changes. Some, sometimes new ideas come along, new business ventures come in, fall into your lap, and you have to figure out how to fold them in. And that's okay because the, the, the strategic plan document is intended to be malleable. Uh, and at the end of the day, that's what I explained to council, and everyone bought into it. And I think many small towns are kind of yearning for that, that leadership or that investment in time um, where they can see that strategic plan moving forward and then everyone wants to be a part of it. And so as, as a community starts to build, it's that, it's, again, it's that pot belly stove effect in that we invigorated the downtown and then it started spreading. And you started seeing stuff on the outskirts happening and that's when the community becomes one and starts to work together. You mentioned something there I want to underscore about, you know, obviously the other mayors um, around the state where you said about 200 that are probably similar size. Do you get a chance to communicate with them or, or get into discussions and, and kind of not debate stuff, but kind of like learn from each other and kind of pull some some knowledge here? Absolutely. So all 271 are part of the Mayor's Association of South Carolina. We get together twice a year and it's, it's really just to, to hang out and talk to each other. And see and see what issues are being had, whether it's by you know Mayor Bagnell in Somerton, a town about the size of West Pelzer, or whether it's Mayor Benjamin in Columbia or Mayor Watt in Greenville. Um, we like to tell each other. I like to kid with with all of them that um, each municipality, while it's different, we're all scalable. Mayor Knox White in Greenville has the same issues that I have, just because his police department is 200 and mine is six, doesn't mean that we still don't have a police chief and a captain and a lieutenant and arrest records to go through and FOIA requests. We we all have the same challenges. They're just on different scales. And uh, one of the one of the most uh, important conversations I've had as a mayor with another one was with Mayor White. And um, I called him and said, you know, hey, I'd like to get together with you and just, just catch up. And that's when I learned that that each mayor, while they have their own struggles, each city has those. And, and Mayor White gave me um, four points for us for a successful city and how to be a successful mayor. And I always preach these to any other mayor that I talk to. And that's more street festivals, have tree-lined streets, be a greater voice for all of the residents, and have a commitment from the public sector to work with the private sector, not against them. When I heard those four points, I started thinking back to the conversations I'd had with you know, Mayor Colbreth in Johnston or Mayor Roberts in Anderson. And, I, you know, I started calling them and saying, hey, we can let me come to your city and you come to my city and tell me what you see that's, that's wrong so that we can communicate with each other so that we can make all of us great. Because all 271 of us have a chance to be successful. And so in my phone right now, I probably have 70 or 80 mayor's cell phone numbers that we text all the time from big cities to cities smaller than, than West Pelzer. And we communicate. And, and again, it's about clearly communicating that vision. And a lot of times mayors will text me with, hey, I had this idea. What do you think? And it allows us a chance to, again, to, to again peel back the onion, to have conversations, to make places better. Even Mayor Amadon in Traveler's Rest, uh, which is about 40 minutes from West Pelzer and is a thriving uh, small town of about 5,000 people, we communicate on schedules because we want to make sure that our festival doesn't interfere with what they're doing. And so as the mayor start to communicate more, I think you'll see regions start to be uh, more successful in that regard as tourism um, and recreation. And, you, you know, you talked about the um, the strategic plan and kind of getting some new things in place downtown and what have you. What do you foresee, I guess, for for your town and, and the size it is and all that 
kind of the maybe the biggest challenge you guys anticipate over the next couple of years? What, what's kind of on the radar that you guys are trying to solve or get ahead of? Yep. So the the biggest challenge that that we have now is change, and um, some 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 citizens think that we're we're changing too fast, and other citizens think that we're not changing fast enough. Um, so that's that's a challenge for us as we move through probably the next five to ten years. We've done a lot of capital projects in the past three years internally, from moving City Hall to taking our old City Hall and making it a community center, which was a first for West Pelzer, to even purchasing the original City Hall and jail that was built around uh, the 1900s. So we've got a lot of projects that are kind of they're kind of moving or have moved or are moving in that same direction to make West Pelzer more of a, a viable city. Um, but now we're starting to experience growing pains. And for the first time since the 70s, we have new homes under construction. So we have 20, 20 new homes being built in, in West Pelzer, which for us is a, you know, a 5% increase in our citizens, which means it's an increased um, burden for some of our services. And so we're starting to look at, you know, how do we provide quality services um, to a quality community? Um, so again, those growing pains are, are a little difficult for us, um, as well as the infrastructure side of things. And for a municipality who has focused for the previous 50 years on infrastructure, being sewer and, and water, trying to convince council that we need to take a step back from that. And the government's role is not to regulate utility rates, but to let the private sector do that. And so we're, we're looking at ways currently that we may um, sell our water and sewer system. So again, that our government can get back to the core principle of creating a quality community rather than worrying about the next water meter uh, to be replaced. And is there any advice you'd give to individuals maybe listening that want to get involved more, whether it's running for mayor, could just be for council, could be for um, for other committees, but anything you would share, maybe something to look out for or any advice that you could give, I guess, on that? Yeah. Well, and I've, I've always been um, an advocate for that. If you want to, if you want to take your thoughts and your ideas and your goals and objectives to the next level, you have to ask yourself, what are you doing to take that next step? And so for those that I, I think are wanting to, to put their toe into politics or, or think that they want to make a difference, I urge you to ask yourself, what are you doing now to make that difference? Um, I was talking a few days ago with a project we were doing inside the city, and, and, and someone asked me, you know, what is a mayor's real job? And a mayor's real job is to love his community, his or her community. And for me, that meant changing my house, changing my front door, changing my driveway, my street, before I could think about changing my community. I get asked all the time, do, do people get into politics so that they can jump to the next level? And I think at the end of the day, you continually have to ask yourself, you know, what are you doing to take that next step? So I'm changing my house, I'm changing my street, I'm changing my community. So now I can talk about changing my county. Or maybe now I can talk about changing my state. Or maybe now I can talk about changing my country. And so, again, it goes back, what are you doing to take that next step in, in, in your um, political career, if that's what you desire to have? And so I've always urged people to get involved with ad hoc committees, talk to your mayors about how you can get involved. We have tons of community groups across the upstate and in, in most municipalities for ways to get involved. It may be as simple as leading a Boy Scout troop on an Eagle Scout project, uh, which we did with the town of Pelzer along the river, or it may be um, working with the school to have a STEM 
a STEM project and a playground and a born learning trail. Uh, there are so many ways to get involved to see where you where your strengths fit the most. And it's okay that everyone doesn't want to be the leader um, or be the strong mayor. Uh, it, it takes a lot of people to, to make an organization run efficiently. Yeah, and so I'll uh, we'll end on this because I'm curious, and, and this could be for anyone. I always like to kind of, you know, have like an open forum type here at the end where um, it could be a, some parting words. It could just be a quote you live by, something maybe it's inspirational, who knows, that you would share with everyone. Again, it could be to a specific group or kind of just, uh, you know, everyone in general, but curious your thoughts. Yep. So I, I've always said, and, and um, this, this came from, from Mayor Riley in Charleston, that a mayor's job is not day-to-day -day operations. A mayor's job is to be a visionary and figure out what that vision is and be able to way to clearly communicate it to the people. And it's okay to be uncommon. I am, um, I'm, I'm, I'm different in my approach to staff. I'm different in my approach to staff. I'm okay being the uncommon individual in my city so that I can make a difference. And that's my vision for West Pelzer. Looking like you're having a lot of fun down there. I see you're, uh, you know, you're involved in a lot of stuff, uh, which is pretty cool. I saw you, by the way, you were, did I see you, you're the one painting the uh, Clemson Tiger on uh, driveways? Is that right? <laughs> I am. I am. And so it started off as a, as a humorous Facebook post that as mayor, I was going to pass a resolution to paint Tiger Paws on Main Street after uh, Clemson won the national football championship and uh, started receiving a lot of hate mail that not everyone was, was Clemson fans. And uh, so I had to explain to people that I was just being humorous about it. Uh, but then I had someone ask me if I would paint one in their driveway. I thought, you know what, that's, a, that's actually a really good idea. And uh, so I, I put out on Facebook that, you know, I'd made a template and I would be painting tiger paws on people's driveways. And I've received thousands of requests to do so. I've uh, been interviewed 10 times on media outlets. Um, I have uh, committed to 176 tiger paws in West Pelzer, Pelzer, Williamston area. Uh, and I've even committed to a, a few friends and former college roommates up in Greenville. Um, and over in the, the Clemson, Wahala, Seneca area to, to go and paint some tiger paws out there. But at the end of the day, I was able to tell a story that people needed to hear uh, in our current uh, climate that we have, that, that not everything is divisive. And that while the tiger paw for some may mean college football, for me it's a symbol of love. It's a symbol of foundational principles that former college coaches had, had brought to the table and laid a foundation at Clemson. Coach Sweeney taught us how to love our neighbor, and that's what it's more about. And so I've had uh, a very joyous time the past few days going out, hanging out with people and having conversations and, and learning what their life is like, what struggles they may have, uh, and painting tiger falls in their driveways. Because at the end of the day, a mayor's job is to love their community. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'll let you go on that note. It looks like you have a lot of work to do, so uh, I don't want to take up any do. of your, any of your <laughs> precious moments there. But uh, thanks so much <laughs> for uh, taking time out on the podcast. Really enjoyed uh, chatting with you. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining in this episode. And we really appreciate if you head over to iTunes, leave us a quick review, give us a rating. We certainly appreciate any feedback you can share so we can make this podcast better each and every episode. Thanks again for listening in. I hope you guys have a phenomenal day. Take care.